I stand here, can you still see it? special and then but you can dismiss your your church after you do this course at 1045 okay all right let's pray thank you lord for letting us be in church we pray for your blessings and all that is done all that is said help us father to uh, think of this chorus as a reality a biblical reality and we pray that you help us to be fit uh for you when you return bless the time that we have in our classes in jesus name amen all right kids you may go rest of us who are adult kids can stay and we will continue in chapter 4 of first john chapter 4 first john my sister oh she was there before yeah but you know i didn't recognize because the face mask yeah okay hello again all right first john chapter 4 We don't always remember everything that we hear from week to week, uh, neither do I. And so I'd like to just review for just a second, about 30 seconds about what we've covered so far in 1 John. 1 John has been about fellowship. It's been about proof that you are a real Christian by the evidence it's been about uh, having true love as a Christian. It's been about how you can tell if someone is a genuine Christian or not. And now in 1 John chapter 4, John talks about something else that the Christian ought to be aware of, and that is how you can know if a teacher personally or publicly is a teacher from God or not distinguishing between a true teacher of the Bible or a false teacher and this is what we're looking at in first John chapter 4 in verse number 1 it says this beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world and so the themes of forgiveness brotherly love evidence of salvation now evidence of a false teacher evidence of a false teacher how can you tell if a teacher who says he's a teacher of the scriptures is really a teacher of the scriptures if he is from god or not uh, this is very relevant in our time and because we have many teachers who say that they are bible teachers on the air or personally or locally and sometimes we are not sure if they are really legitimate and so in verse number one Believe not every spirit, 
but try the spirits. The word try is there, try the spirits. Uh, try is to say, have some discernment. It is, to, it is to test, it is to examine something that is said or taught, something that is done. Discernment is the word that would connect us to the word try. Um, try this out. Now, have you ever bought a shirt without trying it out? You ever go to a Goodwill without trying something out, ladies? Don't you want to try out this skirt, this dress, this blouse to see how it fits? Or do you just go to the sale, 99 cents? Oh, you just pick it and throw it in the wagon and you pay for it. Is that what you do? That's what a man may do. But that's not what a woman does. She is very, she's going to try it out. She's going to test it to see if it fits her. Sometimes I'll take my wife and she'll say, um, okay, I'll be there about 20 minutes. And I say, okay. And 20 minutes turns into, you know, longer than that. Because she's trying things out. Sometimes I've, I found her with a wagon full of like stacks, hangers full of dresses that she wants to try out. She'll pick one out because the color looks good or the style looks good. And, and then uh, she can never buy contemporary clothing because it doesn't look good and it doesn't fit her right and so on. It's, it, you know, there's a lot of different problems with that. So she'll try something out and then she'll, she'll knock, she'll text me. She'll say, can you come to the dressing room? Uh, the booth, what, which one? She said, just look at my feet. <laughs> you know, because there's a little gap like that. Look at my feet. <laughs> it's kind of funny to walk around like that. <laughs> Looking at, is that you? Uh, sorry. <laughs> and then uh, I'll knock on the door. She said, hey. And she said, she cracks the door open like that. And she, I poke my head and she says, how does that look? <laughs> now she sees how it looks on her. There's a mirror there. And I look at that. I said, I'll do this. I wanted to turn around so I'll see what it looks like, you know. 360 degrees, just like Amazon. <laughs> and I say, eh. She said, oh. And she'll say, does it look good? I, she said, she says, it, does, me, does it make me look fat? <laughs> and I have to be tactful and say, well, <laughs> well, the straps are going horizontally, and that tends to make people look larger than they really are. <laughs> and the straps that go this way, and the colors, you know, and, and oh, that's a nice color you should get, yeah. You know, and then, um, so she tries things out. She doesn't just buy indiscriminately. Neither should a Christian buy things that is taught indiscriminately without checking things out. Now, there's a verse for us to remember, and that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, look at that verse with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are told to try the spirits, examine, test it, check it out. Be sure that it is the truth. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it tells us to do that. Okay, chapter 5, verse 21. And is there a man who has found that already? Okay, I found it. Prove all things. Prove all things. Test it out. Try it out. Examine it. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. When you examine a teaching or a so-called truth, you test it by the Word of God, and if it is true, you hold fast to that. But you want to be sure first that before you before you hang on to something, you want to be sure that it is the truth. There's people who hang they hang on to something very strongly, very faithfully, but it may not be the truth. I'll give an example. Uh, there's churches in this town that believe that you must be water baptized to be saved. They very strongly believe that. They must be water baptized in their church for them to have salvation. It's faith in Jesus plus water baptism. 
They believe that very strongly. However, don't they, shouldn't they, shouldn't they prove all things? And then if it is true, hold fast to that which is good or true. And that's what the Christian does. And that's what our church tries to do for all of these years, to teach the Bible, teach the truth, welcome people to check it out by the scriptures and see if it is true. Now, a word to describe the trying is the word discernment. Uh, this is the opposite of being gullible or simple. Uh, simple in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, the simple man is someone who is weak in intellect. He is not wise. When you see the word simple, it has about six different definitions according to a good English dictionary. And so a simple man, a simple man believes every word. Proverbs 14, 15, just a good verse. He believes every word, but the prudent looketh well to his going. Okay, a simple man, one who does not try things out, one who does not test things, one who does not examine it, he's simple. He's not getting discernment. He's immature. He believes every word, anything that someone says, but the prudent looketh well to his going. The prudent man checks things out. If you want to be a, a growing, strong Christian, you have to be prudent. You have to be trying things out, checking things out, testing things, have discernment to be sure that it is the truth. Now, within this room, there are many different opinions. But one thing we, we have to be sure of is that what we hear that is supposedly what the Bible says, we need to check that out to see if the Bible actually teaches that. Sometimes, sometimes people's opinions become the truth when it's just their opinion. Sometimes a person's experience becomes the truth when it's just their previous experience. The Bible is over our experiences, over our opinions. The opinion and Bible is not to be on equal footing. People's lifelong experiences and um, whatever should not be on equal footing to the Bible. Uh, say, for example, that water baptism situation. If for 40 years a person was in a church that believed that, and then after a while God begins to show him the truth about water baptism, salvation by faith, plus nothing, no water baptism is involved, then he must decide something. Is that, is my my experience for 40 years going to supersede the Bible, or will the Bible be over my experiences? A person has to choose to decide. He cannot say, okay, well, you know, well, you know, I don't want to, my friends and all, you know, my uncle, my auntie, a lot of my relatives, you know, he has to make a decision about what is the truth. He has to try, and when he tries it, he must hold fast to that which is good. Does that make sense to you? Yes. It's to be true in the medical field, in the automotive field, in any field. You have to put something above another if it is true. So he says in First Thessalonians, hold fast that which is good. And so do not be simple. Do not be a simple-minded person. Do not be weak in intelligence. Uh, be not unwise. And so do not believe everything that you hear. Sometimes after church, people can be talking to each other. And they won't talk in church because what they have to say is not something that is consistent, is consistent with what, say, I said. Sometimes after church service, people are talking and hearing how the conversation could go. I haven't heard this, but because I understand and you should understand human nature, you understand the background of people, it is likely that it can happen where someone says, well, he said that, but I don't think that's right. That is a conversation that can take place. Well, he said that, and he really is strong about that, but you know, I don't think that. That's not what I think. Well, fine if you don't think that, but what does the Bible say about that? 
Okay, what does it say? If it is like that, is your opinion over that? Things like that. Uh, let's take, for example, uh, as an example, the issue of women preachers. It's a big issue nowadays. The Southern Baptist Convention, which we're not a part of, the Southern Baptist Convention has had a division within it in these thousands of churches because they have some churches have allowed women preachers and women pastors. Uh, Rick Warren's church has now ordained, I think, three men, women to be pastors. And so uh, for them, it's not a big issue. For others, it's a big issue because they don't see that in the Bible. And so you have that, that, that conflict there and uh, you hold fast to that which is good or true. What does the Bible say? You go to the Bible. What do they say? What do they feel? Whenever you talk to a woman who wants to be more than what God intended for her to become, uh, she'll be very much aggressive and strong-willed about that issue. And she'll insist that God has called her to preach. God has called her to do this. I just feel it in my heart. I know, I know, I know he called me to preach. Well, the question then comes into uh, this aspect of, well, how do you know God called you to be a woman preacher? Where is the scripture support? And, and they don't find any. But they just feel like God spoke to their heart. That's an emotional thing. It's a subjective thing. So you have to hold fast to that which is good and not believe everything that you hear. Right. And uh, you, can, you can have your own heart deceived right. into believing that God called me to preach as a woman. The Bible does not bear that out. Therefore, we go with what is good, the truth. And so he says in first number one, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, which means sometimes a spirit is not from God. And the issue here is not just shopping for clothing. The issue about this sermon and trying things out is not about trying that or, or when you go to the grocery store, you take up the produce, pick up the apple, you, you feel the apple or the cantaloupe, you knock on the watermelon. That's not the kind of trying that we're talking about here. But you do have to be discerning about that. You don't get bananas that are just all black. What is black bananas good for besides banana bread? It's not good for eating. And so you look at meat, it looks gray. What does that mean? The, the, the steak looks gray. Or if the pork, when you poke it, it speaks back to you. That's creepy. So you have to be discerning. You have to try things out. But this is not that. This is about something. He says, try the spirits. So this is a spiritual issue. It's a biblical issue he's talking about. It's not just about comparing prices in the shop. This is, this is about checking out spiritual things. Now turn to Acts chapter 17. Now, every once in a while, you have to turn to the Bible. Acts chapter 17 in a Sunday school lesson or a Bible lesson because we're going to the Bible for our biblical education. All right, Acts chapter 17. The issue is more than material. It is spiritual because he says, try the spirits. Chapter 17 of Acts. Here's a good verse, verse number 11. Back up to verse number 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These, these men in Berea, were more noble than they, uh, than those in Thessalonica, in that, now notice that he says, these men were more noble because of one thing. This is a comparison. 
The other men, Thessalonica, they weren't so noble. Why? Why were the Thessalonians uh, or the, um, the Bereans more noble? Verse 11, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They welcomed the Bible, the scriptures, and, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They loved the Bible, but then they checked it out to see if it is what the Bible is actually saying. That's why they were more noble. They were not gullible. They were not simple. They were trying. They were testing. They were discerning. They were making sure that what they were hearing is actually the truth. Do you know that you can use the Bible to teach many false things? The Bible itself is a two-edged sword. And it, like a real knife in the kitchen, in the hands of a immature child, can actually cut himself, or in the hands of a, of a mother or a father, can actually cut carrots and meat and whatever else very cleanly. It's very beneficial. But if it's in the hands of the wrong person, it can be very dangerous. Okay? Uh, I remember one time, Joni, if I can tell you this, in, in front of you a long time ago, you, you called me, your husband had cut his finger at the fish market. And uh, I think I was, I remember called to help maybe take him home somewhere. And then as I was going to Chinatown, he was riding on his bike like this, holding the <laughs> with his hand up, <laughs> with a bandage over his finger. He had cut it with a, a knife, cutting fish, very sharp. Now, he was not immature, he was not simple, he was not, you know, he was experienced, but something just distracted him, just a split second, and then that caused a little accident, the knife very sharp. Uh, spiritually speaking, if you're not careful with the Word of God, which is like a sharper than a sharper than a twitch sword, you can cut yourself uh, spiritually. Not lose your salvation, but hurt yourself and get you into some false teachings. And so uh, he says in verse number one, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Why? Try the spirits. Why? Well, because there are many false prophets in the world. In verse number one, he tells you to do something. He tells you why you should do this. Because, reason, many false prophets are gone out into the world. In John's time, in the Apostle John's time, in the uh, 80s, 90s, in that decade, in that time, even in his life as an apostle when Jesus was around on earth, uh, there, were false, there were false apostles, false prophets around. Now listen to this verse, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, in Jesus' time, in Jesus' time, which would be in John's time, in the early parts of his ministry, in John's time, in Jesus' time, there were false prophets. Matthew 7, verse number 15, says this. Jesus said this. Beware, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So in Jesus' time, there was a warning by Jesus himself, that around us now, disciples, there are false prophets. They look like sheep. They look like sheep, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They look like one of my disciples. They look like one of you, but really they're not. They just look like you. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They're deceptive. You can't tell. That's why John talks about trying the spirits. Okay? Now, in Peter's time, in Peter's time, listen to this one, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. 
But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. So when he says these words, he's also reflecting what John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. The issues are spiritual. The issues are deadly because it affects the soul. It affects the eternity of a person. It affects the life now of a believer or others. It's a spiritual issue. False prophets are coming to the world. Uh, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privilege shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, uh, bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And so you have this element of always having in any generation false prophets. Now what about in our time? In Jesus' time, false prophets. In Peter's time, false prophets. And he says there shall be false prophets among you. He didn't expect it to stop. He did not think after I'm done teaching as an apostle that all the false prophets will be liquidated. He didn't say that. He says they shall be. So he's very negative in that way because he understands the nature of the battle. It is a spiritual battle. There shall be. And in our time, would it be less false prophets or more false prophets or kind of neutral? They cancel each other out. What will it be? What is your guess? Multiple choice. False prophets will be magnified or multiplied in our time. Or they've been neutralized because the truth has gone into all the world. What will it be? Well, let's see. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. John says, try the spirits. Now, for our time, we will come to 2 Timothy chapter 3. For what is it, what is it like in our time? We come to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse number one, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That'll be our time, the last days before Jesus returns. Now, verses two, verses two through eight, verses two through eight is a descriptive list of the conditions of the last times of the last days or the perilous times. But look at verse number 13. Look at verse number 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So in the end times, in our time, it is more, more. Before the Lord comes back, it will be more confusion, more deception, more people deliberately trying to deceive people spiritually. And more people are gullible and simple and will be buying into what they hear. So much of that goes on, people being deceived, and it gets worse and worse. So one thing you do remember is, before the Lord comes back, things do not get better. Things do not get better. The Christian church does not bring in the kingdom of God. The, the Christian does not reform society or culture and change it to make it good. When the Lord comes back, it gets opposite, just the worse and worse and worse. It doesn't get better. So brace yourself, buckle up your seatbelt, because as you go along in your life before the Lord comes back, it doesn't get better spiritually. Now, in a pocket, in a in a in a section, in a here and there, in a church, in your personal life, you can have a really good, strong spiritual life. 
and this can get better and better, but overall, it doesn't get better and better. You may as well accept that because it doesn't get better. More deception takes place, more corruption takes place, and I don't want to sound depressing today. Uh, every time we come out, so bad, so bad, so bad. Uh, we're just going through the Bible, and we are being told that this is what it's like in the last days, okay? So do not expect um, great, great spiritual revivals across our country or around the world. As a matter of fact, expect great deception around the world. And so our time is like that. The safeguard, the safeguard against this, about, about, uh, against being deceived, is in verse number 14. It's verse number 14, where you find that it is by sound doctrine we are being kept safe from being drawn into false teaching. And um, many, many self-appointed teachers and prophets go about deceiving gullible people. Now let's talk about that for just a second. Who, who are the gullible people? Who are the simple people that are the ones who are eating what's being given to them? Who are these people? Would there be people who are in the Word of God and they're growing and they're learning, they're getting strength? They would not be the targets, usually. That's not uh, the group that is going to be following the false teachers. Who would the group of people be overall that are likely to be deceived and being taken in by slick teachers? Well, apparently it's going to be those who are not grounded in the Word of God. Those are the ones. And that's pretty obvious. And so the protection, of course, is sound doctrine. And you would get that by being consistent in your spiritual growth and in the churches you go to and in growing and being faithful. All of these things work together for our consistent, systematic growth in the Bible. And so hit and miss. Learning hit and miss, you're going to hit. Uh, you're going to miss more than you hit. You have to be consistent. Now go back to 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 2. This is the message that John warns his people about. It's directly connected to Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, verse number 2 says, After he says in verse 1, false prophets are around us. Verse 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. All right, so you have exactly, specifically what it is that he warns them about, the teaching about Jesus Christ. And these teachers are saying that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, that he came only as a spirit, and that he did not really walk physically on the earth with the apostles, he just came spiritually. And so that is the confusion thing and the false doctrine that's being taught by these false teachers. He's not God in the flesh. And people are believing that. And so it makes, it makes sense that people would believe this because look at verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now what is he saying? He's saying 
when a false teacher comes by, he will have an appeal to certain people because it is of their own kind. But when the children of God hear this appeal, it doesn't appeal to them because it's not of their kind. It doesn't, it doesn't ring true with them on the inside. What they're saying, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. It's because it's different kind. And so because the world has its own way of thinking, they will accept something that sounds like it is the truth. So these false teachers teach something, it's attractive to people who are not of the truth. Those of the truth will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And that's how this all plays out overall. And so uh, we are not going to follow and swallow what is being taught by these false teachers about Jesus Christ because it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit. And so the idea here is its own kind. Of the world, you are of God. They are of the world, we are of God. We're little children of God, they're not. They are of the world, we're not. Therefore, verse 5, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Therefore, you'll always have a receptive ear from people who like to hear that because it just makes sense to them. That makes sense to me, that they will receive that kind of teaching. Now, in verse number 4, verse number 4, we have something that safeguards us from the false teaching besides the sound doctrine. In verse number... Uh, uh, 1 Timothy 3.14 Let me go back to there please 1 Timothy 3.14 uh, I'm sorry 2 Timothy Second Timothy 3.14 After he tells you, verse 13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says in verse 14, safeguard, protection, protection, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now he's talking to Timothy, but he's also by extension talking to us, Christians, you continue what you've learned. Stick to what you've learned. Remember who taught you. Peter, uh, Paul, uh, uh, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, remember who taught you. Remember who discipled, remember who mentored you, Timothy. And it's me, the Apostle Paul. And so he says, because of that credibility factor, he says, hang on to what I told you. Don't vary from that. No matter what you hear after this, remember what you were taught. Stick to what you're taught that is the truth. And you'll be okay. You'll be protected from deception and so that's how that works out but then you also have the Holy Spirit in you the Holy Spirit in you look at first John chapter 4 now first John chapter 4 come back over here verse number 6 verse number 6 first John 4 6 the second way to safeguard yourself from error spiritual error we are of God verse 6 he that knoweth God heareth us he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we uh, know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And that is because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, greater is he that is in you. Verse 4, than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit in you is greater than the spirit of the uh, Antichrist, spirit of the false teachers. And so we have that in us. And because he's in us, 
He always leads us into truth, doesn't he? John chapter 16. He always leads us to the truth. Always teaches us from the word of God, leads us to the truth, confirms in our heart, this is true, this is true, this is true. No, that's not true. You're using the Bible, using the Bible verse incorrectly. They're applying it wrongly. This is the truth, this is the truth. The Spirit of God inside of us leads us to the truth and it protects us from false teaching. And so uh, you want to be careful about be careful about what you hear, John says. Now it is very normal for people to gravitate toward other people that is of the like like mine or like uh, uh, let me put it like this if you go to New York City you always have segments of New York City that reflect a culture uh, for example you have a little Italy you have a Chinatown it's a big Chinatown Chicago has a Chinatown um, Pittsburgh has a Chinatown LA has a Chinatown Hawaii has a Chinatown and what is this Chinatown thing all about it's about people from a culture from a from a part of the world, and they, they now in someone else's world, someone else's country, and then they have deliberately, deliberately try to live together, close together, have stores that sell the same kind of fruit from their old country. Mm -hmm. They're they're bound together by culture and by the language. Right. It makes sense. Christians bind together because of Amen. the spiritual culture, right. because we want right. the Word of God to be Amen. our our foundation and our, our what we build our life on. And so we gravitate toward that. Amen. Other people who are of the world, then they gravitate not like we would. They would gravitate to what they want. Um, there's a thing called a nightlife. A nightlife is to express that people of this world, they like to party at night. They can't wait to Friday night to come or Saturday because that's when they can really let loose and party and had a hard week to go to a party and go to the, the bar or to the different kind of scenes. And there's plenty of that around for people who like that. Well, who goes to that? People who like that kind of stuff. Who doesn't go to that? Probably old folks like you and me. We don't think it's proper for a Christian to go there, waste their money, and be around that type of environment where uh, all kind of things potentially can happen. And so we do have this difference of culture. The Christian's culture is based upon the Bible, and he wants to have a culture that is enhancing morality or enhancing holiness, enhancing love for Christ, love for the Bible, enhancing, promoting, let's go reach people for Christ. Let's, you know, and so that's the culture. It is not that kind of culture that the world offers that we care for. And that just makes a lot of sense. So people, birds of a feather flock together. That's very true. So in a way, you people are very strange because you go to church on Sunday. You get up, I think some of us get up. Now I have a problem getting up sometimes because I get up too early in the morning. The last three or four nights I get up four, three o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock, and I just, I just, and my eyes are still shut, but my brain is going on about all kind of whatever. Sometimes it's a dream, and then I'll get up, get out of bed, and I'll go get a drink of water, and go to my desk and sit there, and I'm thinking to myself, why am I up at four o'clock in the morning? Why am I up at three thirty in the morning? Sometimes I'll uh, just uh, do something. I'll try to read, but I can't read, and then I'll go back to sleep. And then um, when I get up the second time, it's really hard to get up the second time because I feel like I didn't get any sleep. And so, um, but I found a secret. I may have told you the secret. I'll tell you the secret again. This works. I get a pinch of salt. Actually, I, sh I shake salt in my palm, about a pinch worth. I do this. I lick it, and I drink water. 
and then it's about a half hour before I go to sleep, and then I go to sleep, I sleep all night long. Last night I did that at, uh, I don't know, 11.30. I did that thing, and then I woke up at 7.15. It was a good night's sleep. Don't ask me the medical reason. I don't know the medical reason. But it does something to the body. What does it do? It regulates the fluid in your cells. That's, so that's what you've read. Yeah. And whether it's true or not, it works with this old yeah. horse. You, you can mix the salt in the water. <laughs> you don't have to lick it off your hand. Well, I wash my hand. <laughs> but if it wasn't washed, the salt disinfects, doesn't it? So I'm, I'm covered. And I've, I've tested it. When I don't do that, I get up early. Last week for three, four nights, I get up too early. And it's horrible. And I'm thinking, well, but I did eat cookies and milk. I thought milk makes you sleepy. So I know one thing, that other one works, the salt works. Doesn't mean you have to try it, it just works for me. And so, what has they got to do with what I'm teaching? <laughs> you were talking about it's hard to get up on Sunday morning, we're different because we get up on Sunday morning. Yeah, but I don't know what my thought was on that one, I lost it. Our and, culture? Or our culture, yeah. I still don't get it, what I was saying. Strange people get up on Sunday morning in the church. Oh yes, yes. Strange people like like you Christians, you make the effort to get up, even though you're dog tired. And I'll be truth with you. It's rare that a person has got a good night's sleep on a Saturday night before they come to church. It's rare. Most people have things going on. It could be because of work or other factors, and uh, they don't get a good night's sleep. They need eight to get four. They need six to get three, whatever. And they get to church out of duty, responsibility, all of I should, and then when they get here, they're still tired until they get their coffee, but then they're still tired, they, and, and, but after after a while, the Lord begins to work on them, speak in their heart, and, and even though they're, they're like this, they're still listening, I think. <laughs> they're multitasking, and uh, you know, so it is a preach that people make the effort to be in church because you're of that kind, you want the word of God, so you make the effort to come. That's a good. That's a good thing. And um, after the church is over, service over, you go home thinking, "Oh, Scotty came to church." That's how it always works out. You feel better after you've done the right thing. You don't do something because you feel like it, but because it was the right thing to do spiritually. Uh, in other aspects, you can do something because you feel like it. It's not a big problem, not a consequential thing. But for this, you do it because you want what is spiritual. Now look at verse number 7. I need to hurry. i got two minutes left. First John 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not is not of God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because the, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now this is about love now. He talked about false doctrine, how to discern now he talks about once again for the third time he's talking about love love is of God now I need to stop here but I need to tell you this as I stop to, to tease you love is of God does this, does this mean that any kind of love is of God it does say love is of God the, con the, the response the reaction conclusion is well if you just have love that's from God oh he just loves oh that's from God is that really true because you love 
that's of God. No, there's a qualification to the love of God. And uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. But if you are of the world, you think of love as only well. Okay, if you, if you love me, if you love me, don't ever correct me. If you really love me, don't ever confront me. If you really love me, like the Bible says, love is of God. Therefore, if you want to have the love of God in you, you can never tell me I'm wrong. That's not what he's saying. That is not what love is. You ever have a child say to you, Mom, you know, I don't think I should eat this anymore because I want to eat candy now for breakfast, lunch, and for dinner. Wash it down with a vanilla chocolate shake and add a banana to make it healthy. And your mom says, no. And you say, the child says, you don't love me, do you, mom? No, no, no. That's totally backwards. I need to spend some time on this one. Because we think if someone loves us, they should never confront us with the truth. And that's wrong. People think, well, you're supposed to be a loving Christian. What kind of loving Christian are you? Are you telling me this is wrong? Well, don't want to tell you that this is wrong, but love does not mean it's permissive. You right. do what you want just because in the name of love. That is not love. The right. world thinks so. The world thinks so. Mommy, if you love me, I need a new iPad again. Yes. Mine broke at school. Mommy, I need... My car is dirty. I need a new car. Dad, did you know that, I'll end here. Did you know that Tom Brady's son had his 15th birthday? And his dad spent $10,000 on a membership of a club so he can go and play golf. That's just for the membership fee. It's not a whole lot to him because he makes millions and millions, but 10,000 is a lot of money for everybody. That's regular. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's all because he loves his son. Well, that's fine. That's not a that's not a criticism. It's just saying that he can, and so he does. But if you ever told his son, no, but dad, I thought you loved me. <laughs> See, we throw back at if you love me, let me do something. That is wrong. That is wrong. And when you come to church, sometimes you have to be told something is wrong. Not it's wrong against somebody individual or person, but. The truth says something against something that someone's doing unbeknownst to me or to the preacher. And then uh, it comes out and, oh, I thought he loved me. He's not preaching against my smoking. Well, how do I know if you smoke? Oh, he's preaching against my drinking. Well, how do I know that you're drinking? I don't come to your house. I don't follow you around. I don't have drones following you around. How can I know that you're drinking? Well, you know, I... Look, you got to stop thinking like that. Because it's not it's not anybody. It's it's what the word of God says, and it's us who come to church regularly. We want what the word of God says. Amen? Amen. We want it because we need to change to be more like Jesus Christ, period. All right, we need to stop. Let us pray. Father, thank you for letting us have time to teach the Bible, and we pray that it'll be helpful to your people. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.